Hello, so welcome to Ultimate Free From Menu from AFF Chat, where we invite someone in to choose their favourite drink, appetiser, starter, main, side and dessert. And today we have chef, author, Celiac UK ambassador and of course, MasterChef champion, Jane Devonshire. Morning, Ben. Hi, Jane. Thanks so much for giving up a bit of time to come and chat to us today. Thank you. I was just saying, I'm sorry about the attire this morning, but I'm just about to go in the kitchen. So we're doing this nice and early so that we can chat beforehand. No, that's all good. And that's why we're talking to you. I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to uh, chat to you because we haven't spoken to, to like a, a chef yet. We've spoken oh. to lots of people who, who are sort of, you know, influencers or business owners and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm very interested to, to hear your, your choices today. Did you find it hard to choose? It's incredibly hard. I always find it one of the worst questions. People ask me what my favourite food is because I just love all food. <laughs> Therefore, that's, that's... it's difficult to pick one. But yeah, um, I think I've got there. I've got a long list, but I think we got there in the end. <laughs> that's all good. That's me with favourite film. Don't ask me my favourite oh, film. It depends on the day, the time, the mood, all of this sort of stuff. And I think it, does, it can be and the, the same company. with food. I agree. I'm the same with food and music and everything. So... That's, and I think sometimes it's what you're trying that's new that is your favourite mm-hmm. because it's new and it's exciting. But then you come back to wanting to put your equivalent of the pair of slippers on, don't you, whether that's a film or yeah. food. So, <laughs> yeah, I I must admit, I went around the houses last night, was writing my notes, and the list became endless. So I thought, I've got to stop now because I kept thinking, oh, and what about that one? And what about that restaurant? Because it's absolutely my passion to eat out in nice restaurants and places as much as it is to cook these things. So, um but I think we've got there. I think I've got there. <laughs> I might change my okay, mind halfway well, through. Well, now that we've discredited the entire format of the podcast, I guess we should just jump in. Yeah, <laughs> okay. please. <laughs> cool. Okay, so let's. Um, the the first thing I would do normally is I would ask someone their like a good way to it. I would ask someone their dietary requirements, which is slightly different for you, isn't it, with your relationship to the free from community? So when you're going out, what sort of thing are you? You know, what, what's the situation with you in, in eating out and stuff? Well, with me, I'm not actually the one that's gluten-free. Um, yeah. It's my son, Ben. So when I go out, it's not such a issue. But I still always check menus because um, and always question the staff as well because I like to pass on recommendations to the community. And I think it's really important. And most of my chefs that I know and, and visit a lot of the time, and we talk about this all the time, so... As much as I'm not gluten-free, it still plays a huge part of um, in menu choices. And obviously, when I go out with um, Ben, it, it really does affect things because we never go anywhere, really, without pre-booking. Um, and also, you know, really qualifying with restaurant staff that it's possible to supply him, not with just one item on the menu, but hopefully a few choices that he can make and that it's safe for him to eat. Because he's celiac, as we know, it's an autoimmune disease. It's not... Uh, um a dietary preference and we have to take it really seriously so yeah it's 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 my major consideration really it has to be okay cool thanks for sharing that with us so we'll, we'll begin with uh, what your absolute favorite drink would be in your ultimate free from menu then jane if you don't mind it's really weird. This morning, it's probably a cup of tea. <laughs> Every morning has to be a cup of tea. My children will tell you I'm very, very grumpy without it. But actually, most people who know me would probably say white wine. I adore a glass of chilled white wine and good white wine. And the older I get, the more I love nice white wine. But actually, if you ask me, it would probably be cocktails. I love cocktails. I think okay. like food, there's so many different types and 
anything that's fruity or citrusy and sharp with berries in it and um a particular fan of rum so um and i do mm-hmm. love a good cocktail bar a really good cocktail bar so um i love rules in london and there's a few others that we go to so um yeah I just think it's okay. got the same excitement as food. You can try a different one. You think, oh, wow, that's really good. And so, yeah, I, I love cocktails. <laughs> okay, let, let's, let's, um, let's narrow down a little bit. So what's the, when, what are you looking for on the menu the first time you go in there? Is there or, or give us the, perhaps the story of a particular cocktail that you had that sticks in your mind at a particular place where you're like, do you know what? That one I think about a lot. That one was really, really good. Um, there's so many, and I think it's, we were talking about this, that food and drink is so tied up with memories and people and stuff, isn't it? But when my brother Colin and I first started going out and into London, and and he's my sort of colleague partner in crime when it comes to uh, finding new restaurants and places to go, I think you sort of step into a cocktail bar and it can be a little intimidating sometimes, and then you realise it's not and it's just wonderful, and trying... Mm -hmm. Playing cocktail roulette, where you literally <laughs> pick one off the menu and try it because you're you're trying new things. Um, but we have a particular favourite bar called Fitz's, um, okay. which is in London, which is in the Russell Hotel, and it's very nineteen twenties. And you can go in sometimes, nice. and there'll just be the most beautiful jazz band playing, and it's it's the most beautiful building. It's got massive, great big feathers in the middle, and it's really atmospheric. And they used to have, um, it has changed a little bit, unfortunately, but they used to have the most stunning, you could go up to the barman and just say, look, I love this, this and this. Can you make it for me? Uh, Can you make something and surprise me? Um, You can still do that at some cocktail bars, quite a few actually, um, and rules. But Fitz's will always have a real place in my heart because it's just beautiful memories of, you know, when the kids turning 21, taking them for their first cocktails and stuff. It it was um, very, yeah. It's a really special place, I think. Um, um, and if and if you approached the bar there and you said these ingredients, what would they be? What's, what would your so? Let's have a surprise cocktail at Fitz's at the Russell Hotel. And which ingredients are you going to tell them? Say, I want it to be based with this. Something probably brambles. I love blackberries and uh, mm-hmm. berries, red berries, brambles, and raspberries and things like that. Um, maybe with a hint of something lemony, mm-hmm. vodka probably or rum. And got to be some bubbles, surely. Okay, <laughs> cool. <is> a bubble. <laughs> yeah, okay, I tend to nice. go for a longer cocktail. Um, I'm not the hugest fan of martinis. I find them mm-hmm. just too much. But um, yeah, and don't ever give me a dirty martini because that's just not nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been getting quite into going to some little sort of cocktail bars and speakeasies and stuff recently. Um, oh, yeah. um I. My, I, I played at one, uh, played music at one in Canterbury that's really nice called Bramley's. That one's mm. that one. If you're ever down that way, because uh, we can be quite London centric with our cocktail bars and stuff like that. Like, uh, yeah, I went to a couple at the weekend. But if you find someone that's one that's in a different region, it's always good to give it a bit of a shout out. So 100%. Bramley's in Canterbury is is really good. And again, that's sort of a 1920s sort of theme. Uh, I went to one in Shanghai that I don't remember the name of where it was a shop and you had to go in and give a password and then the uh, the the bookshelf moved and then you went in and it was a proper like oh, underground wow. speakeasy, which was really, really cool. And I was hoping to find something. There's, 
I think there's a few a bit like that in London that I've started there to is. I went to one like that in Liverpool. And, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to one it's like cool, that isn't it, when it's sort of an experience, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And that's the whole thing. I think, you know, I remember sitting in um, a bar in New York in the W Hotel and ordering a Cosmopolitan and just feeling like, wow, I, I guess, you know, I'm in that age where Sex in the City was a big thing. And it was just one of the most fantastic cocktails ever because you're sitting in the place where you should be drinking that and it's so iconic. And then um, I'll talk about it, but one of the best trips my husband and I took was to Hawaii and just sitting on the beach drinking, you know, pina coladas out of pineapples, which is so hackneyed, but just yeah, so yeah. delicious and wonderful. I think that, <laughs> you know, as you're talking, you suddenly start remembering all these different places and things that you've been. And, and that's what's incredible, I think, is, is the ability of food or uh, drink to bring you back to those places and remember these wonderful things. So, yeah, it's very special. But now if I go, actually I'm going when, uh, Wednesday night, I'm going to go to Rules Cocktail Bar, which has all been rejigged nice. and it's stunning. It's just beautiful up there in Observatory, you know, back of Maiden Street and Covent Garden and um, going to ask the barman there to maybe do some wonderful things. So see what comes out. <laughs> awesome. Um, um, that's a good recommendation. I'm definitely going to check that out myself. Okay, cool. Right. Let's um, move on to food then. Um, oh, gosh. So- <laughs> How much time like, have you got? We sort of <laughs> <laughs> we on on the pod we call it an appetizer, but I know that's not actually the correct uh, term. I don't think. But what we're talking about essentially for this first choice is the thing that gets brought to you that you don't ask for, which I know is a bit of a bugbear for a lot of people who are, who are free from. It's sort of the trickiest thing. But before you order, when you go into a, a restaurant, what do you want to get brought to the table for you to nibble on while you're making your choices? I I love I mean with all the moves don't mean any moves um mm-hmm. I adore them because I love I think it might be one of my favorite ways of eating is like that tapas type you know yeah. picky bits we call them at home and yeah, I know yeah. when I entertain at home I always lay out lots of nibbles and appetizers for people to come in and graze on and um, sometimes they take me more time than the meal because I. <laughs> I just find them fascinating and it's a way to sample something, isn't it? And get a taste for a menu to titillate your palate, I suppose, is the way you put it. Um, so, yeah, I love it. I'm always looking for something that gets your um, your palate working. So something with either spice or uh, a real sharpness to it um, and something that, that really excites you. And, and I think it's a chance for the chef to really show that they can do something very, very different. Um, I was at Restaurant Story recently and they came out with some incredible little pieces of uh, a tiny little tart, which was, the, the it was a tomato wafer almost that just dissolved on your tongue. And it was so simple, but so elegant. And you just thought, wow, that is so incredible. Before you even had time to realised what it was, it had gone. And it made you so interested in what was coming next. Um, so to me, it's, I love it. I think that any decent restaurant should be able to supply it, um, regardless of your dietary preferences. Um, and I know that certainly it's something that I find particularly irritating if I go out with Ben and we've all given him a moose and he's just given a stick of carrot or something, like, hang on a minute. Yeah, no, yeah. Not fair. <laughs> but... Um, I was thinking, and I know what my absolute favourite is on this one. I, I nailed it. One of my favourite places to eat is Pollard Street Social. I did a stage there with Jason Atherton and Dale 
Bainbridge, who he's just an incredible chef. And um, I go back there, um, not all the time because it's quite expensive, but I try and go back once a year. And last time we went, we had this most incredible appetizer, which they call fish and chips, but it's not. And it's thin layers of thin, thin layers, the most beautifully cooked potato, really deep fried. And then got salt and vinegar on it and the tiniest little dots of the most beautiful tramaslata on the top of it. And it's just a flavour explosion, an absolute bomb in your mouth. It's quite simple, but mm-hmm. um, it's just something that I talk about and my brain just goes, oh, wow, my... my um, my mouth, you know, you start salivating at the thought of eating yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love fish anyway. So anything that's really fishy or whatever I love. But that to me was just the perfect little mouthful of um, the perfect sort of pre mousse bouche or appetizer or whatever. So um, that one, very rarely actually, that every time I wrote my list out, that came up. So I was, <laughs> yeah, I've got to mention Jason and Dale's uh, little bit of fish and chips because it's perfect, I think. Amazing. And you're saying so it's almost like sliced really, really thin, the potato? And yes. In, in, how, is the, how is the fish involved? Like, in the town is of the like, got... smoked cod row. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The potato itself is, is um, almost in like a sort of vinegar. I can't explain it. I wish I could yeah. in my very, you know, hand on my, but it, it's incredible. And it's just a tiny little, you know, uh, rectangle of explosion of okay. flavor, but it's beautiful and it's just a bit different. And, um, but then I went to um, Mark Hicks down in Lyme Regis and he serves cockle popcorn mm-hmm. and I've tried to replicate it. I've nearly got there, nearly okay. got there. Mr. Hicks, if you're watching, <laughs> I would like the recipe. Um, but um, that, again, it was just stunning, just cockroach coated in a really light batter with, um, again, those sort of vinegar, malt vinegar and um, white pepper flavour. And just to sit there eating that with a cocktail stick, uh, again, got your palate alive. And it's common theme here is I like fish. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that sounds really good. Sounds sounds really cool. And sounds like, um, I don't know, the... It's, it's bold, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's bold. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like going in and getting like a bit of bread, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's no. really add, add something to, to the meal rather than being sort of a uh, just, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this because this is what people do. They need to have something at the beginning. It's been thought about and it's a proper part of the meal. I think so. And I think it should be an introduction to the meal. As I said, something that makes you excited to finish, to eat the rest of it. But I... The one thing I love, and I think most people who've eaten my food, is I love, if something says it tastes of something, I want it to really whack me around the face with that flavour. I I love really bold flavours. Um, and I love that um, that real strength of, you know, oh, I know what that is. That's fantastic. And that's yeah, whack me around the face, with it, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I think that's important. And, again, it's settings, isn't it? Because... Uh, with Hicks restaurant in Lyme Regis you're sitting there overlooking that beautiful bay, Lyme Bay and you can see all of it and it, it's just so appropriate to be eating something that comes of the sea when you're in that setting, it's it's the whole thing the whole experience tied up Okay, so moving on to the sort of, you know, the, the first sort of larger bit, bit of food that we're going to do, um, what are you choosing for your ultimate free from starter? Uh, oh I was just thinking now, I, I'm sounding a bit boring, but I always go for something shellfish. 
if uh-huh. it's on the menu, I would always go for beautiful prawns or cockles or mussels or something. I think I love, I love that. Um, to me, it's got so much memory of growing up in London because, despite the fact you're in London, it actually um, shellfish is such a huge part of you know the cockles and mussels stall and the man coming around the pub with the shellfish when you were younger and stuff. And I, I've never really got over that. So a fabulous prawn with garlic and chili and lemon you know you can't really go wrong and I was uh-huh. thinking about it's all tied up with memories and whatever else and um, again referencing Hawaii and holidays where you know we've shared crab in black pepper or something and done that as a big starter or things um, and what my favorite starter is um, mum always used to do prawn cocktails and smoked salmon and stuff like that which was always fun but I think if I had to come down to one, it would be Winkles on Toast. And okay. it's always a really odd one because as a London family, we um, used to eat shellfish all the time. And as kids, we used to sit there and with our pin and see who could get the most Winkles out. Um, mm-hmm. And I know most people don't eat them, but I love them. They're like little sea snails and I think they're just delicious. And um, it was a competition on who could get the most of them out and try and make a sandwich or something. <laughs> and I I just have such fond memories of doing it. And um, it's such a childhood memory for me. And it's such an unusual thing now. A lot many people eat them and you can't really get hold of them. Um, mm-hmm. I recreated it as my starter dish in a much more elevated form for my winning menu in MasterChef. Okay. And I remember saying to my dad, I was going to serve uh, a form of our shellfish tea or whatever as a starter on MasterChef. And he was like, you can't serve Winkles in a MasterChef final. You just can't. <laughs> and I was like, no, Dad, I really, really want to. And even when I went on the show, they were saying, how are you going to get them all out with a pin and that? And I was like, I would dab hand at it. I've spent years. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. So I did this um, beautiful, it was part of my starter. It had cockles and mussels and a langoustine on it too. Sort of very mm-hmm. elevated shellfish starter. Um and it sort of became a thing when I was interviewed that following week when you're doing all the rounds, everybody wanted to know about Winkles. It was the thing. And it culminated, I think, in one of my favourite stories, which was I was walking across Oxford Street, um, Oxford Circus, and I was going to start my stage at Jason Atherton at Holland Street Social. And um, this guy, this white van man, literally just pulled out and he went, Oi, Master Chef. And I just went bright red because we're in the middle of Oxford Circus. He went, I know you, you're a Winkle woman. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I've, maybe not the, uh, you know, what I wanted as uh, my, my memories of Master Chef. It just yeah. sort of stuck, a Winkle woman, and it, it was just so much fun. And so that starter has to be my absolute favorite because of that amazing moment in my life. It's something okay. that I absolutely love to eat. It's something that's really unusual. And I just, it just makes me smile every time. Um, and it's not something I've ever eaten in a restaurant or ever been given in a restaurant. No. It's my own creation. But um, I think that's got to be the most special starter for me because it represents okay. so much. I mean, firstly, I'd say uh, I'm sure you're glad the Winkle Woman is not the uh, a nickname that stuck over no. time. <laughs> But also, I, I, I love the idea of, for some reason, in my head, when I imagine the situation you were describing before you, before you did MasterChef when you were doing it, 
I almost imagined it like some sort of 80s action movie where someone was dramatically grappling you and saying, you can't serve Winkles on MasterChef, you're crazy, you're out of control. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, I had this sort of memory in my, this like vision in my mind of this crazy scene of people oh, yeah. thinking you're an absolute maniac for serving Winkles on MasterChef. But yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it was, it was just a um, wonderful moment. If you, I think what you want to do is you want to go more... Uh, more cockney and you've got my dad <laughs> okay perfect perfect um have you um have you found somewhere where you can get them these days can you get them yes. in say, Whitstable or somewhere like that like i know at Whitstable they've got all sorts of stuff down there haven't they like because it's all fresh yeah you have i mean i've been to Whitstable to the oyster fest and stuff yes you can but um yeah we know somewhere as a family we can get them so uh obviously because we eat them all <laughs> so um, there are places around they're just not as easy and to get them live is really really hard to be honest and I couldn't get them live before I went on to MasterChef and I never ever cooked live winkles before and they brought them in live and I was like oh my gosh so it was the first time I'd ever cooked them live I'd only ever had them ready cooked and was on the MasterChef final in (laughs) in that sort of circumstance so I just read up how to do it and winged it on the day. That's the first time I've ever told somebody okay. that, that the first time I ever put Winkles, you know, from <laughs> from fresh. Because um, you always get them pre-done. Um, was actually in the middle of the mm-hmm. final. So I was having a bit of a heart failure wow. at that moment. But it all worked really well. <laughs> so that was good. It's, it seemed to work out for you. So I think yeah, it was it. a risk worth taking, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, since we've mentioned toast, although I know it won't have been the case on the... Um, on, on the MasterChef final for your thing, I think that it might be a good opportunity for me to ask if you had to pin down what do you think is the best gluten-free bread for toast out there? We, you must have tried a fair few. We do, and we change all the time. Um, at the moment, Ben mm. is on the Waitrose sourdough. Um, the Marks and okay. Spencer's breads he likes. Um yeah. There's, there's different ones that we change and obviously I do make my own bread but I have to be honest it's it, it's it's a fast it's hard and as I said, I've been working back to back mm-hmm. for the last seven days and you can't stop and make bread in the middle of doing that so um at the moment his favorite one is the Waitrose own branded bread but it does change um uh, we okay. we were trying we were, we were stuck on one that we were really liking and then for the last two, three loaves you bought, and you know it's 245, 345, a loaf or whatever, massive, great big holes in it. And, yeah, you know, yeah. he wants a sandwich yeah. or he wants to make toast, and it's just so frustrating. Or it's less than the side of your hand, and he's sort of a six-foot-four, 19-year-old who's going to eat half yeah. a loaf. So it's it's my one thing that I find really frustrating, but it is getting better. And yeah. I know it's expensive, but we are sticking with Waitrose and Marks and Spencers at the moment with regards to breads. I think they um, seem to be leading there. And I'd rather buy it. We put it in the freezer. I, I'll freeze half a loaf or something mm-hmm. and take it out. And um, at least I know he's going to eat it and it's not got great holes mm-hmm. in it and it is edible and he can make a sandwich yes. out of it or toast it. Yeah. 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 I think I find that my sort of staple is the is the ordinary sort of um, wholesome white loaf from Shah that I'll, I'll tend to get in the in the weekly shop. Yeah. But for some like for some French toast or something like that, the the sourdough and the tiger loaf and stuff from from M and S are really good. I've tried the yeah. waitress one, so I will check that out. 
Um, yeah. But a bit of a tip recently, I got some sourdough from Libby's Bakery in in London, which is a oh, okay. gluten free and sugar free bakery, and they do order online and they'll send it to you sort of part baked, and then you finish it off in the oven, which is nice because oh, it fab. means it's is it's sort of quite quite fresh. So they'll send yeah. it to you, or you can stick it in the freezer and then you can do it. And sorry, what was the link? Oh, you have really to send a, me the link. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll stick it in the in the description as well. For the um, but yeah, it's, that's probably I would say. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I think that's the best gluten free sourdough loaf certainly that I've had. It's got that proper is. like gapping. Do you know what I mean? Yes. The big the biggest thing with with like a, a loaf like that is when it's almost like a sponge cake because it's, it's so cake. dense. Yeah. That's what you don't want. Uh, and this one's properly got like the sort of, you know, bubbly gaps. Yeah. It. It's good. It's really good. It's worth a try. Oh, we'll give it a try. Which Shah is the one we used to use, but we found out it's had the big holes in it. So yes. that's yeah. why we've I think gone every back now to... And then they, I think every now and then they have a batch. I haven't had one like that for quite some time. And to be fair to them, the times where I have had one, if you bother to complain to them, they will send you a voucher. But it is a big faff. Yeah, so yeah, I, I understand it's it can it can be frustrating because you don't know until you get into it yes. whether it's going <laughs> to have the hole in it or not. But yes, yeah, all good. Bad. Cool. Okay. Well, let's move on to the uh, the the your main, which many would consider to be the main event of a meal. I don't know about you. Uh, but I yeah, know. What, what we where are we going with your main? We're going home. Um, I thought okay. about this and I've eaten some fabulous, I mean, you can hear me talk, I so love eating out. I so love my restaurants and everything else. But I couldn't get away from the fact that my very, very, very favourite meals are um, when we're all together as a family and we're um, prepping, say, roast and we've got a big island in my kitchen and what, somebody will be peeling carrots, somebody else, there'll be some music playing um, usually if it's Sunday, it will be Frank Sinatra or Neil Diamond or something. Mum and Dad would be here, my brother. And we would just, it's that whole thing of food being part of who you are and not just about a plate of food and about, um, I speak about this a lot when I'm doing talks to the community, gluten-free community, that food can be such an exclusive thing, something that you've always loved and is so full of inclusivity. And then all of a sudden you realise that the heartbreaking thing is when you have someone who's got a severe um, problem, allergy or intolerance to food, that they can be sat eating something else and they're excluded from those experiences that the whole thing to me about food, and I get quite frustrated when people talk about, oh, in Europe, they do this, they, they all eat together. Um, I think families and friends that eat together stay together. And so my favourite main course has to be a big family roast dinner. And be that a special occasion like Christmas or just that you all happen to come together on a Sunday or even a Saturday and, you know, whatever. And you're all together and it's just those memories of everything that's tied up with that. It's memories of my nanny being there, my nanny and granddad. And it makes me emotional thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah. And you just think, oh, they'd have loved that. Or you hear a song and you're, you're making the stuffing that your nanny always used to make. Okay, gluten-free version. And yeah. I don't think you can replace those memories. So for me... As much as I've eaten some incredible food that has just stopped me dead in my tracks and made me think, wow, 
I couldn't get past the fact that my favourite meal ever is my home. Um, and okay. I think that's what, uh, I, I, that's, that's what food should be, really. Ultimately, okay. that's what it is, isn't it? It's your comfort. No, it sounds cool. Okay, so what's what meat are we having for this for this roast? What's your favourite? <laughs> Mine would be roast what? lamb. Roast I lamb, love okay. lamb. It's my favourite. A beautiful leg of lamb roast or shoulder of lamb. Slow roast shoulder in the winter, leg of lamb in the summer, I suppose. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. I'd actually bizarrely again. I I referenced all these menus in my Master Chef final, but my mum always mm. cooks cauliflower with onion sauce, and I asked her why. Um, because it's something I've never ever seen, and she was just like, "I don't know. I've just always done it." <laughs> I was like, "Okay," <laughs> and I did. I did a version of that in the MasterChef final, uh-huh. but um, but I, I did it with curried spices and things. But it comes down to the fact that that beautiful roast lamb with onion sauce, mint sauce, probably asparagus from my dad's garden. He's a beautiful gardener. He's got he's mm. not got a very big garden in London, but he's got a fantastic asparagus bed. Um, and nice. just cabbage that the kids have picked, uh, those beautiful little carrots that you only get fresh out the ground from granddad's garden. Again, I'm not a gardener. Mm-hmm. I wish I was. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just that whole thing of making the gravy, you know, you're dishing out and somebody's stirring the gravy. And it's just mm-hmm. so reminiscent and lovely, I think. So, yeah, that's 100% my favourite main. Cool. And are we, what sort of potato? That's the only thing oh, I don't think I've got. Really oh, potato. Uh, I mean, I, see, I didn't want to assume. Done in okay. dark fat, no. <laughs> um, I've always got, um, I think in that way, I've, I'm quite old fashioned, and my mum used to do it as well. If ever I cook goose or duck, I save the fat, and the same with roast beef. Mm-hmm. So I've always got dripping and um, duck and goose fat. Well, goose fat depends okay. how soon we are around that time, but um, in the. Yep fridge and so yeah my potatoes are always cooked in that so beautiful crispy roast potato i think and you've still got heaven on a plate really no it's awesome isn't it i I think um yorkshire puddings (laughs) good i'm I'm glad you said it because i know they shouldn't be served with lamb but i would get told off if i didn't (laughs) this this is what i was going to say i basically would do yorkshire puddings with any roast i don't care chicken beef whatever there's going to be a Yorkshire pudding involved. Why wouldn't you? They're brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I, for years, would only serve them with beef because that's what mum always did. And lamb yeah. served with mint sauce, pork is served with apple. And I think you suddenly, we were kind of, but we all really like them. Why aren't we eating all the time? Why aren't we eating them every roast? So, yeah, Yorkshire funny, puddings, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you sort of, I think in the in the past, people were a lot more sort of, I don't know, they follow Midgets. the rules more. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't have Yorkshire puddings. Um, it's like we've all we've all grown up, and we're there's still a little bit of a kid in this. Where it's like, well, I can yeah. have Yorkshire puddings whenever I want. <laughs> I can. <laughs> my, so I, uh, <laughs> my granddad always used to keep a slice of Yorkshire pudding and have it for his dessert with golden syrup and cream on it. My granddad would have it with butter and sugar, almost even worse. He would put a bit of butter on it, a little pile of sugar, and then dip it in. And do you know what I've actually done myself is to slice up cold in pieces and then fry them with sugar and cinnamon. Oh, lovely. That's really, really good. It's really good, and they crisp up really nicely. It's proper proper nice. 
that's just like a little donut, really, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, and there's all sorts I of wonderful even... things. I think I even cooked some apple, had some warm apple with it as well. I, yeah. I went a bit mad with my cold Yorkshire puddings before. But yeah, that that can be really good because, you know, yeah, effectively it's the same ingredients as pancakes and, you know, exactly. all, all, all of those sort of things. Yeah. So, yeah. We're my mum often makes apple fritters with the extra batter. She'll she'll just sling it in and make an apple. On Monday, it was always apple fritters, um, which were in the Yorkshire pudding batter, but again, coated in cinnamon and sugar. So, yeah, Hi. I think those sort of memories, as you start chatting, you've come up with some things and everything else. And, yeah, I, I couldn't get away from the fact that that had to be my favourite main. <laughs> there you go. Ben and Jane, Yorkshire pudding rule breakers, clearly. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, um, going to move on to to the the last part. Are, are you a are you a dessert person? Are you a starter person? Are you a sweet tooth? Are you more into no. savoury or just a little I bit of all of really, it? Really? No, I don't really have a sweet tooth. And um, anybody who knows me, they say I don't like chocolate. I do eat chocolate. I just it wouldn't be. I wouldn't ever order chocolate as a dessert. Um, I do eat desserts, and I'm fascinated by them. Um, but I'm I'm not really. I mean, I would go. A long way for a perfect creme brulee i think that mm-hmm. would be up there for me but Do no i don't have a common system? for chefs it's quite common for chefs that are more into their savory foods because that's the majority of of your cooking when you're a chef isn't it unless you're a pastry chef of course yeah. but I, I just get the impression that i don't know that it, it you go to some places and you can get some really, really special desserts, but you always feel like a bit more love and attention and thought has gone into to what comes before, I think. I find that it's a shame because dessert should be the final hurrah and it should be absolutely huge. And in the summer, I love griddling pineapple and making rum, caramel and chili sauces. And I, I love making desserts. I like the technical aspect of it. Um, and on the big tech catering thing I did down the river test yesterday I, I made this beautiful big meringue which you know pavlova you can't really go wrong can you with a lovely pavlova mm-hmm. so I do love the technical aspects of it and I do spend a lot of time making them but um if you I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this but if you gave me a choice I would miss dessert and talk about cheese <laughs> am I allowed to do Uh-oh. that <laughs> yeah sure i mean if, if you're gonna choose cheese for your dessert um, the, i would the, i the... would pick cheese i just love i love the whole thing of sitting there with a wonderful cheese board and you know you sit there for hours after your dinner don't you just having a few drinks and chatting and i find it really exciting and but that's my taste i i don't have a sweet tooth but yeah, of course, there's some incredible desserts out there. I would always go for something citrusy, something mm-hmm. lighter. I'm not one to eat big, heavy cakes or things after um, I sort of think that's cup of tea, mid-afternoon style. Mm-hmm. I don't really um, do those. So it would always be something for me. I had the most incredible dessert recently in Roca, which was based around okay. sort of yuzu and, and uh, those beautiful, really fresh flavours and sorbets and stuff. And that was just stunning. And it wasn't very sweet. Um, so that suited me. However, my husband's family, my family come around, massive cheese board, that all goes, maybe one or two desserts. My husband's family, five or six desserts, and they will just whiz through them. They love okay. their sweets. And be that trifles or meringues or creme brulees or whatever um 
frangipan tarts um mm-hmm. they absolutely adore them so it's a very personal thing isn't it but yeah um, and I, do you know what i think you should have your cheese board this is your this is you. your menu this is what you want <laughs> But there's, there's so so which which types of cheese do you want in your cheese board? What type? What do you want on the side? Are you having some fruit? What's gonna What's gonna go in there? Let's nail this cheese board. Oh yeah, one. It's the British cheese board. Um, I okay. spend a lot of time. I've judged lots of British cheeses. I work a lot with British cheesemakers and British food and Hampshire fair in particular. Um, and I actually am. We we have. I think in this country, I'm probably going to get told off, but I believe we make more different types of cheese than any other country in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not stuck in the past in regards to what, there are some things which are just beautiful. Of course, they should be um, kept where they are. But I think the innovation of British cheese at the moment is really important. So I would probably go with, I'd have a Tumworth on there or something similar. And there's mm-hmm. so many beautiful, the, the London Bridge one, which is the triangle shaped sort of brie type cheese. I absolutely love. Um, now, oh, blue. Now, I love blue cheese. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I love the Isle of Wight blue. Uh, Barkham blue is really good. The, the Harrogate blue we had in the cheese board yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And then cheddar. Oh, had a fantastic uh, black bomber truffle cheddar yesterday. Oh, my mm-hmm. wow. That's stunning. Um, but we do. The kids all love Black Bomber. That's their favourite cheddar on the cheese board. And mm-hmm. um, what else are we going for? Let me have a look. Oh, how can I not say Baron be good? Um, there's some fantastic goat's cheeses out there. Uh, what else do we need? We've got to. Oh, hard cheeses. Let me think. Mm-hmm. We did a Melbury um, fresh used milk cheese yesterday, which was stunning. That was really different. Um, and really quite something different. So yeah, can you tell my passion is cheeses? <laughs> rather like Yeah, I can see it. No, you're off. <laughs> Always do. Um, <laughs> like yeah. a cheese dream. Still, I know. Still, um, some sort of blue cheese. I always have celery and things. I always put fruit on my cheese board. I love um, apples, mm-hmm. um, passion fruit, obviously grapes and things, and spisalis and stuff. I love that combination. Um, and... I do love to experiment with wines and things with cheeses too. So uh, at the moment, a lovely sauterne with a blue cheese is one of my favourites and some pear or apple or grape. So um, the sweetness does come in with the fruit, but mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, I, it's just my favourite way to finish a meal. And I'm always a bit shocked that the French do cheese before dessert because they just don't get that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, totally. You sit for hours after your dinner um, and just browse on and taste and the combinations. Quite like nuts as well on the board. And I do dried fruit too. Mm-hmm. So I always have some sort of lovely yeah. dates or, you know, um, different dried fruits. So, yeah, it's, it's a big board in this house. It's a big board with masses of cheese <laughs> and fruit and things on it. It sounds brilliant. And again, another opportunity for everyone to share and dig in and all of you tried yeah. a bit of that and try a bit of this. And I, that's it's, it's a nice way to eat, isn't it? I think so. And like, to me, it's a perfect way of a, to end a meal. Um, in the And I do quite miss, I mean, if you've ever, you know, like I've rushed somewhere, obviously it's not British cheeses, but and when they come around in those old fashioned restaurants and they've got the most incredible cheese board, and you, they say, would you like a slice of this? Would you like a slice of that? I Oh, that is just, in restaurants, one of my favourite ways to finish a meal. And um, it's a, a a tradition that is not so much, you don't see it so much now. They tend to have set cheeses on cheese boards, but uh, La Gavroche, that cheese board, is to 
die for. My mouth is watering again. It shouldn't be at this time in the morning thinking about <laughs> cheese, but it is. It sounds amazing. I mean, you're going to have a feast of cheese by half past 10 this morning. I think that's yeah. quite we're recording this quite early, by the way, everyone, because I know yeah. people could be listening at any time. But yeah, we've recorded this fairly early, but that hasn't yeah. that hasn't held back the cheese talk. No, it hasn't. So <laughs> I just bore you all on cheese. But yeah, it's. I mean, no, when we were good. tasting cheese, you can actually get a cheese hangover. I've discovered you can eat that much cheese. It gives you a headache. So we won't be oh, doing wow. that again. But um, that's that's the day when you start and you do chase cheese all day. But I just think it's okay. the most beautiful way to end a meal. And when you said about memories and be sentimental, I think that um, that, that again, it, it's just my favorite way to finish eating. That sounds brilliant. I mean, the, the one thing I haven't asked you, what's your ultimate sort of uh, uh, setting? For, for this meal that we've laid out would you do you like to be you know at night inside a restaurant uh you know do you like quite a fancy restaurant quite modern do you prefer to eat outside in a warm country or like where, where's the ultimate setting for this that we've that we've talked about or is it your own your own kitchen at home with your family i mean That's i assume your family fair. will be there no matter what <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously um oh wow you're talking different experiences, aren't you? Because yeah. I think that there's, I love my fine dining. There's no getting mm -hmm. away from it. I absolutely adore it. My husband doesn't. That's why I go with my brother. It's him. It's, you know, he doesn't really get it. I mm -hmm. absolutely adore it and um, spend hours reading restaurant reviews and figuring out where I'm going to go and enjoying that mm -hmm. whole aspect of mm -hmm. food. I also love street food. I don't think you can beat eating fish and chips on the beach. Um, you know, that, that again can be so evocative. Uh, barbecues are fantastic but yeah if you had to ask my absolute favorite is sitting in the kitchen at home all cooking together and uh, okay. that's what my love of food is grounded in it's grounded in that that um, community of home friends and uh, just sharing a glass of wine and that can be over a chili it, you know it doesn't yeah. have to always be you you were asking me about food memories but it can just be over a chili or a shepherd's pie it doesn't have to be that's the fun fantastic thing about food it mm -hmm. it can be so many different things and so many different settings so yeah but if you had to pick somewhere it would be sitting around my kitchen my final supper would be in my own house in my kitchen surrounded by my friends and family Okay, so I'm I'm going to read this back to you now uh, as a overall meal. Uh, though it wasn't chosen as a uh, a coherent menu, they never they never are because you want to be jump, <laughs> jumping around. Well, no, that's what we want. It would be a bit boring if someone you know, it, this isn't what it's about. But yes, yep. I'm going to read this back to you. Okay, so to drink, we're going to go to Fitz's, where we're going to approach the waiter and ask him to create us a cocktail with berries, brambles, vodka, rum, and a bit of bubbles. Uh, we're then going to go to Poland Social for their fish and chips uh, appetizer, uh, which is much more than just fish and chips. People need to check that out and listen back to that if they missed that part. Then for our starter, we're going for Winkles on Toast, uh, the one that you did for the MasterChef starter. Yeah. Then on to the main, which is going to be a roast at home with the family, which will be roast lamb with mint, asparagus, cabbage, carrots, uh, gravy, roast potatoes, Yorkshire puddings, and then are we adding the cauliflower with onion sauce as oh, well? Oh, yeah, you have to. That's that's okay, that's just so important. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And then we're going to finish off with a good old British cheese board. 
yeah. with too many cheeses for me to list right now. <laughs> but uh, it sounds amazing. Uh, lots of awesome recommendations in there. Thank you so much, Jane, for spending the time telling us about, about your menu. Oh, you're more than welcome, Ben. It's been lovely. And thank you for uh, moving the time a bit forward. It's, I've got to shoot now. I'm running. No, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all right. So we will see you at the Allergy and Free From show. You're uh, on the 1st to the 3rd of July. You can get yep. your free tickets uh, in the description of this video below if you haven't already. And you're going to be coming, doing doing some cooking for us in the Just Be Kitchen and doing a talk for us with Celiac uh, UK and, and all sorts and doing some book signings too, right? I am, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of the best things, isn't it? When you can go and you you can absolutely share our experiences, talk to people and help people, um, uh, you know, in this life which isn't so easy sometimes when we, we've got food restrictions that other people don't have. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing you, Ben. It's going to be a great show. No, you're very, very welcome. We're delighted to have you there. Okay, well, thanks so much, Jane. Uh, have a great day and we'll see you soon. And you. Cheers, Ben. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.